it's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game. This is the Prospects Baseball Show, your inside look at the boys and girls of summer. Here's your hosts, Dean Millard and Jordan Blundell. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, depending on what time you are listening to this show. We are just thanks, thankful that you have. This is the Prospects Baseball Show, episode 20. My name is Dean Millard, and as usual, I have the head coach and the assistant general manager of the Edmonton Prospects, Jordan Blundell, in studio with me. How are you today, buddy? I'm doing well. What a what a great day of viewing yesterday. Some big, oh big games, big comebacks. That was fun. More games today, four of them. Uh, one of them underway already as we are uh, recording this. And um, we're going to bring you a great conversation with a really big baseball fan today. And a cool guy to know if you are into memorabilia, Jack Cookson from Pro-Am Sports. Uh, You can find it on uh, St. Albert Trail, uh, just north of the Yellowhead. Awesome setup that they have there. If, uh, you know what, I I love going there and I hate going there. I love going there because I can look at all the stuff. I hate going there because I know I want it all and my (laughs) wife would crucify me if I came home uh, with with a bunch of stuff. It is such a... uh, like, you know what, even if you're not buying something, take your kid there. Just take your your the sports fan in your life there and check out their fan cave. They've got so much cool stuff, you know. It's so amazing. Much. And, and you know what, they've even got uh, some musical type stuff too. So it's it's almost all sports, but they've got, like I got a, a print from the Tragically Hip's last concert. No way. Or last tour. I love it. I absolutely love it. I see it every day, every morning. It's, it's one of the first things I see when I wake up. That's you know, cool. just the... You know, Gord Downey and his story and how important they are to, to Canada. Um, I got that from Pro-Am, man. Wow, that's amazing. I saw a, a Tragically Hip uh, tribute band when I was out in Vancouver recently called Hip Check. So if they're ever coming through uh, Edmonton, I'll let you know and we'll, yeah. uh, we'll go check it out. So we're going to talk with Jack. Um, it's, a, it's a great conversation. You know, he's a great guy for a Giants fan. You know, there's you know, there's not really a lot of great guys that are San Francisco Giant fans, but uh, he's a good guy despite being a, a Giants fan, which nobody's perfect. So, uh, we're gonna get into the playoffs with Jack. We're gonna get into some memorabilia stuff. We're gonna get into his history. He was a clubhouse guy for the Edmonton Trappers. Yeah, that's cool. It's uh, there's some really cool cool stories. And listen, you being a a, a coach and a, a involved with the team. Um, you know, maybe when you're playing, you don't appreciate those guys as much. Uh, some guys do. Uh, I think you were probably one of those guys that did appreciate them because uh, you seem to be a pretty considerate guy. But as a manager, you really appreciate those guys. And, you know, you, you probably have some uh, helpers around uh, Remax Field. Yeah, you know, we uh, we we took care of that ourselves this year. Oh. Um, so there was quite a bit of work. Uh, I, I had a clubhouse attendant lined up and, and it didn't work, uh, fell through. Uh, was not reliable Mm. so uh, we decided to keep it in-house it it provides our players an opportunity to um, uh, join our work-study program Mm -hmm. Um, you know what it it is it's a tough job for sure discipline for the players too right yep yep for sure and and you know that's a good thing for our guys Uh, you know we look at like everybody's a janitor everybody's part of this baseball club Um, you know when our owner's picking up 
litter outside the building and, and, you know, the other guys uh, inside the building chipping in to, to give our fans the best experience possible. It's just the way we do things. So, um, yeah, I'd like to have uh, someone more, more reliable this year that we can trust for the whole season. Hopefully we're able to find that person. If not, you know, we'll continue on doing our thing. All right, uh, Jack, if you're uh, if you're listening and Is you have some spare availability. nights, Jordan uh, would like your expertise uh, get you down, there. down at the ballpark. All right, let's get into the show. God, I'm looking at the curveball. Let's go around the horn and get the big news in baseball. All right, uh, just before we go, this is going to be weird because we pre-recorded our interview with Jack, and at that point, the Houston Astros were leading one nothing on a Jose Altuve home run. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer mm. has hit a, a three-run shot, oh, and now the is. Rays lead 3-1 in the top of the third. Um, and... I thought the uh, the Rays' best chance was yesterday when they had an opportunity. Um, maybe their best chance is against Zach Greinke. Who knows? Yeah. Well, they 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 need to do it tonight for yeah, sure. Well, so they have to. Yeah. So yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see that their bullpen's ready to go. Uh, you know, Morton's really he's a special arm. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the recipe for them to sneak one and push it for sure. Uh, I'm going to look forward to uh, flipping this on when we're finished and watching those curveballs. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I created a new, another fake son in the MLB, the show. <laughs> dealing? Yeah, he's a lefty. Oh, he's yeah. a left-handed curve, 12-6 curveball with a slurve and a running fastball. Those are the three pitches I uh, went with. His name is William Millard. I let oh, my wife name William. him. I, I, I named Call him Bill. Billy? No, just William. He okay. goes by William. Yeah. Uh, but he's a 6'4", 215-pound lefty from Colorado. Yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, when you get out of that altitude, altitude he's going to get a little bit a little bit more sharpness on that breaking ball, so that's, uh, that's great. Uh, what's, you know, a, what's a good amount of break? Uh, you know, you're like putting what, me on the spot here. Like, uh, what, just what like, like I say, I'm, I'm thinking like minimum amount that you need on a on a good curveball like four or five inches oh yeah yeah at least for sure that uh so there's two trains of thought like uh you know kershaw and like colfax back in the day they've Mm -hmm. got these big curveballs the 12 6 right you know 12 6 or or 11 5 or 1 7 but massive massive yeah so they they start up and they, they tumble down uh, shoot, I mean, like the, the actual distance of break on that uh, for those special pitchers. That'd be like nine inches maybe, eh? Well, at least, yeah, you know, at least, um, you know, you're looking at top to bottom, you know, from, from the get-go. So you're looking at quite a few uh, inches. Now the the, the school, there, there's another school of thought is less break for late break. And that's where, you, that, that's the oh, idea behind cutters. Right, um, that's so, just drop, right? So when you're, when you're a youth pitcher, you know, you're trying to get these big loopy curveballs. Uh, once you start facing hitters that are capable, um, the longer they get to see it, the the, they the can easier sit on it, right? the, the easier it is for them to hit it. Uh-huh. Now, when you're when you're throwing you know 82 mile an hour hammers, uh, a little bit different. Um, but that's where the cutter comes in for for late movement. There's a little bit less movement, but it's late and it just works at the very end and misses barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, when you have a big league curveball like Kershaw or like Morton, his curveballs, yeah, you know, he throws it, it a ton. It's big time. Uh, when you, if you have a big time curveball and, and you're able to, to spot up, we saw it yesterday with Wainwright. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to throw a 74 mile an hour curveball to a spot with rhythm and, uh, the precision behind that pitch, uh, there's a reason why the curveball is still an important pitch. Well, the, 
Yeah, I was going to say that because you talk about um, speed and movement is the hardest thing. Late movement, like you say, especially, right, is maybe the hardest thing to hit. So what makes a slow, big curveball still hard to hit when everybody is focusing on heat? What what makes a big cur- sweeping curveball hard to hit when it's coming in at like 78, 81 miles an hour? Uh, the amount of movement that it... Uh that comes out to hand with, uh, you know, it, 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 the velocity change obviously can affect the hitter. Sure. Um, you know, it comes out with hard arm action, um, you know, similar to the same. To get that rotation? Well, yeah, to get the rotation, but you're still coming out with the same arm speed. So um, initially, I mean, you're not going to tell the difference by looking at the pitcher. So the hitters have what's called a hitter's window. Okay. You know, they're looking for release point. Um you know, good hitters as you get older will start picking up variations in the arm action. Uh, so your your ultimate goal as a pitcher is to try and release the ball in the same spot in the tunnel mm-hmm. the same way, you know, and then just, you know. So you, you're not you, tipping off to the batter, so you, right? Exactly. So if you slow your arm down, you know, a trained hitter is going to see that something's up. Mm-hmm. It, it, and he may, may not recognize right away, but he'll know something's different. And because he's trained, will you know, adjust, sit mm-hmm. back and, and hit a pitch. So, to be able to keep your arm speed up and, and snap the baseball out and have it spin um, at this high spin rate uh, puts the hitter off balance. So, you know, he's he's geared up for fastball and, and geared up is maybe not the right term. He He's timed up for fastball. Uh, now, if you throw a 95, 98 mile an hour fastball, you don't have a lot of time to react. Um, so that alone is uh, the difference in timing you know, you, you throw in a, a minus 12 or minus 15 mile an hour from your fastball mm-hmm. curveball with that kind of break, you know, it, it <laughs> and it's moving. Uh, it makes it really difficult to hit because, you know, you can't hit both. You can't sit on both a 95 mile an hour fastball and a good 12-6 curveball. Uh, you can adjust to a curveball, but you can't sit there looking for both. Uh, and you know, if the pitcher is able to execute the pitch down or to a, a location uh, in the strike zone that you're not good at hitting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, advantage pitcher. You pitched a little bit, right? You've you've done that. Can you throw a curveball, like a decent curveball? I, w- I would like to find somebody who could teach me how to throw a curveball, at least the fundamentals. Uh, when I play baseball, like not that I'm going to go play any baseball, but just to show me the fundamentals. We might have to do that uh, over the winter sometime. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I can show you the fundamentals. Uh, ultimately, I didn't have a real good curveball. Um, that was a pitch that, that was inconsistent for me. I tried to throw it when I was younger and, and a little bit in college um, to varying levels of consistency. Uh, so basically, I ended up scrapping that and became a fastball slider changeup oh, okay. guy. Um, my slider and my two seam worked opposite sides of the plate. So... I had a little bit of deception with the two seam running away from a lefty where my slider's coming into a lefty. Uh, my changeup also did the same thing, kind of rode away, and my four seam was straight. So I used my pitches, uh, piggyback pitches off each other to set guys up. Um, I started kind of goofing around with a knuckle curve. You'll see some guys use a knuckle curve. And actually, I found this is a few years ago uh, when I was more active, uh, you know, kind of as a player coach. I, I play a little bit in the summer. Um, and just kind of screwing around, I found more consistency throwing a knuckle curve. And that's where you have your index finger mm-hmm. um, set up, drawn in, and you snap the ball out there. For, for whatever reason, I just started throwing that one of my players through a, a good knuckle curve and said, okay, how do you throw it? You know, obviously did some research. He showed me how he threw it. Okay, you snap out front, 
I found like I hey I should have been doing this my whole time. I had a, I had a better curveball with the mm-hmm. knuckle curve, so you get a little bit sharper. Uh, you get a little bit more break with that pitch. Um, yeah, man, like the it's a lot. It's a little bit of a lost art that's finding its way back into baseball mm-hmm. uh, as high fastballs are starting to become more effective. You're going to see guys have have success throwing 12-6 because yep. it's the opposite. Down in the zone, um, right? You know, when the game then adjusts back to, hey, we're looking for Mike Soroka-type guys with some run on the fastball, mm-hmm. you're going to see sliders come back. So um, it's just cool. Baseball cyclical like that. Uh, we've been through these uh, these times before where the high ride the high fastball. Um, and, you know, we'll see, we'll see how long this lasts. All right. Um, I don't think there's an update uh, with the city. I'll uh, just let you give us a... Uh, Quick uh, one-word answer about what's going on, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll hear some answers soon. We'll have to t- see you next week, Dino. All that. right, there we go. <laughs> uh, no update on uh, the Evan prospects and the future of uh, Remax Field. All right, we're going to get to uh, history class, and then our first guest of the day. Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. All right, going back to 1925, before Game 1 of the World Series at Forbes Field, Commissioner Landis orders the Pirates and Senators to wear black armbands in memory of Giants legend Christy Matheson, who died that morning uh, of tuberculosis. Although the uh, practice will be a common occurrence, this is believed to be the first time in Major League history that teams have altered their uniform to acknowledge the passing of a fellow ball player uh, you know now we're seeing uh, all kinds of different tributes you know uh, the, the latest obviously the Tyler Skaggs night where everything seemed like there was a higher power but uh, you know one of a legend passing this is a this is a, a little bit more of a uh, uplifting memory 1964 the great Bob Euchre who had been shagging out in left field shagging fly balls uh, not uh, shagging Austin Powers wise and then he <laughs> tries his hand at catching batting practice with a tuba (laughs) yeah an unsuspecting member of a dixieland band left their tuba unattended much to the delight of the crowd the comedic cardinals backup catcher is successful in two of his six attempts to snag a fly ball in the mouth of the instrument Uh, but the owner who is not amused asked the team for 250 dollars to cost the repair of the dented brass uh, just a bit outside for Bob Euchre in that regard. <laughs> 1988, the Yankees replaced Billy Martin with Dallas Green. Uh, Billy the Kid compiles a record of uh, 1,253 wins, 1,013 losses, so a 553 winning percentage, piloting the Tigers, Twins, Yankees, A's, and Rangers during his 19-year managerial career. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away in a car accident a year later. Uh, but uh, the amount of times, uh, you know... And, he was in it with Reggie Jackson in 77 uh, when he was hitting those home runs and legendary manager. Uh, not a lot of World Series wins as a manager, though, just the one, uh, the rest as a player. And uh, 2001, not that far ago, Barry Bonds extends his major league record for home runs in a season to 73 as he drives in a 3-2 first inning knuckleball off Dodger Dennis Springer over the right field fence and probably into the uh, water. Um, the blast also secures two more major league records for bonds. He surpasses Babe Ruth's 1920, uh, eight, who was hit uh, at 847 slugging uh, with 863 
And Mark McGuire's uh, one home run every 7.27 at-bats, homering in 6.52 at-bats. Um, and th- that was the year, obviously, 9-11. It pushed the season back. It went into November. Uh, you had Jeter make the, you know, that was a, a crazy year. But we all remember it for Bon Sosa, right? Oh, unreal. The, <laughs> he was so clutch, Dino. You know, he had... He got intensely walked more than most guys got walked throughout the whole year. He had like 230 walks. Crazy. Just like every time he had a pitch to hit, he hit a home run with it. Yeah. Unbelievable. It was a it was a bizarre season. All right, let's get to our uh, guest of the day. It is Jack Cookson from Pro-Am Sports. Play ball! Very pleased to have in studio and have him looking straight at uh, legendary Dodger Kirk Gibson and the Dodger jersey. Jack Cookson from Pro-Am Sports joining uh, Jordan Blundell and myself in studio. Um, Despite the fact that you're a Giants fan, it's good to see you. Well, it's good to see Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do have uh, one other piece uh, from Pro-Am Sports in this room too. The Jordan Martinuk Hartford Whalers jersey that you uh, did out for me and Unfortunately, Jordan had to move the interview up, and you texted me and said, the jersey is ready 20 minutes after I finished the interview. But I do have it up there because you're here, and it will be up there when Jordan visits the studio next year. That's a heck of a jersey, too, and uh, you guys did a great job. Classic Fear the Whale jersey. Yeah, Yeah, I I hated the Whalers uh, when I was a kid because I was mostly a Boston Bruins fan after Moe got traded. I thought those uh, jerseys were crazy, but uh, I, they do look sharp now. And anytime team can do throwback jerseys, I highly, I highly applaud it. Uh, throwback jerseys are they pretty popular in in pro sports? Absolutely, and uh, baseball does the best job with uh, throwbacks. Uh, hockey is getting there um, this year with the Oilers launching their third jersey. A lot of people wanted the uh, the retro jersey, mm-hmm. the, the one that they wore last year for their 40th anniversary to be the the go-to on a regular basis. But uh, yeah, throwbacks, they work for everybody. Yeah, especially Major League Baseball, Jordan. Um, Maybe the best sport at honoring its past because there is such a a long history of it. Uh, But, uh, you know, throwback jerseys, classic jerseys, retro jerseys, whatever you want to call it, uh, baseball seems to do it the best. Yeah, you know, it's... uh that that long tradition and history in the in the sport uh, provides the opportunity to go back and cherish those those jerseys, those moments, those big time plays, the the history of the game. I think you're right. I think the MLB does it does the best job of all the sports, really honoring the past and w- what's brought them to the present. All right, we're going to do top five jerseys, uniforms uh, today on uh, the Prospects Baseball Show. Um, some people get upset at terms, uh, jersey, uniform, sweater. Um, are, are certain terms better for certain sports? Uh, you're, you're the kind of the expert. Uh, do you mind when somebody says jersey, sweater, or uniform or anything like that? No. Whatever works for you works for you. That's yeah. the way I look at it. Yeah, we don't have to be uh, uh, term snobs here uh, when it comes to that. Uh, but you do have a, a really cool um showroom uh set up at pro-am sports on st albert trail a great fan cave jack what got you into the uh the memorabilia business i was a sports fan growing up uh tried to raise money for my first car uh and uh, sold some things raised the money but enjoyed the selling uh portion of it and before getting the car reinvested it in more and 30 years later this is actually our 30th year so did you have you didn't ever bought the car I did. Oh, you did. Okay, okay. But after two or three more uh, 
inventory flips. Okay. So were these things that you had collected yourself? Yep, absolutely. I I started out as a game used uniform collector, uh, mostly uh, baseball, Uh, graduated into football and then into hockey and, and started flipping that kind of stuff. And and uh, quite enjoyed it and uh, don't do anything or not very much anymore in the game used uh, genre, but uh, sports has been the entire adult life. Oh, that's amazing. Jordan, you've been to that uh, setup. It's yeah. uh, it's uh, it's basically a sports fan's dream when you, it's you know what it's like? <laughs> it's like uh, Veruca Salt when she walked into uh, the Charlie and the, the, the Willy Wonka's Charla fact, Chocolate Factory and she's like an overload, you know, <laughs> except, you know, good things happen no, to you totally when you leave is. Pro-Am Sports. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, no, when, uh, when I went in there the first time to, to get the auction items for uh, our, our banquet, um, I knew of Pro-Am, I just hadn't, I hadn't had any reason to go in there yet. And when I went in there, it would do it exactly right. It was a kid in a candy store. I was like, I, I'm going to need more than a half hour here because I got to take a look at everything before you even start making decisions. And, and then it was a draft. I had a budget to work with. So then you're trying to make everything work. Uh, no, I love it, man. They've got some, some really great items, some unique items that I've never seen before. And, uh-huh. and you know what? Perfect for this community. It's a, it's a sporting community, a, a lot of sports fans. And at Pro-Am, they've got everything, all the sports. How much Dodgers gear do you have? Um, <laughs> we have got some Clayton Kershaw jerseys right to. now. You have to. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We, <laughs> at the end of the day, we're in sales. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would, you would not be a, um, uh, it would not be a good business decision to <laughs> only market teams you like, right? Like no, the, I, I've you, come, I come to the term a long time ago that if I like it, I probably shouldn't buy it. And if I don't like it, we need to buy more of it. Excellent. Um, so in, in, in is baseball, um, in, in Edmonton, uh, you know, I know, you know, a few years ago when the Blue Jays were on their run, you guys must've been uh, pretty busy. Um, you know, what do you think of Edmonton as a, as a baseball town when it comes to memorabilia, the Jays, the number one seller? Uh, absolutely, and it, and it always will be. Uh, as the Jays go, so does our baseball business. As the Yankees have, have climbed back to the top, uh, that helps. Uh, Red Sox at or near the top helps. And, but those are the three teams that actually drive the business for us. You know, the next Giants fan that walks into the front door is probably last name Cookson. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it, it's, but the, the one tough part, and this, this is the case for, uh, for baseball, really for football because at least in Canada we've got the Blue Jays there is no Canadian NFL team so uh, it's tough to buy for the home team and that's just it I mean you're a Dodger fan I'm a Giants fan next person Mark Spector uh, from from Rogers is is a Cubbies guy Uh, there's no team for us to strictly go out and buy for but that all said uh, we do the most business in, in, in Jays. I was talking to Speck. He was on my uh, daily show, Sports and More Live, on uh, Friday, and we were talking about that Cubs collapse where the Cardinals just owned them at Wrigley Field. Like, you can't get more insulting <laughs> if you're insulted if you're a Cubs fan or feel more violated if you're a Cubs fan than what the, uh, the Cardinals did at the end of the season, sweeping them at Wrigley and booking their ticket to the playoffs? Yeah, we had kind of a similar thing this year with the Giants and the Dodgers. Yeah. In fact, uh, the last two days of the season, the Giants did not score a run. Uh, and on Fan Appreciation Day, the person who won the uh, Toyota Prius was wearing a Dodgers jersey. <laughs> That's <laughs> they took, so They Dodger. took everything they from did. them this that, year. That epitomizes the Giants season. Yeah, no kidding. Um, how about the, the jersey that Jordan's wearing right now? Uh, Jordan's got an Expo jersey on, uh, the uh, the baby blues. Uh, do, do, are, you know, 
Low Tide, there's a big Expo fan for sure. Are Do you still hear from Expo fans oh, out there? God. Yeah, yeah. Are they still a popular seller? Absolutely. And and again, with that whole retro uh, craze, uh, it's, it's, it's growing again. Uh, it helped this year that the Na- Nationals wore uh, the Expo jerseys on, right. on a throwback night. Uh, diehard Expos fans were up in arms, of course, because, you know, you're not the Expos. You'll never be the Expos. You're just the team that left. <laughs> right. Uh, and and so, yeah, the, the Expos are, are a team that we cannot uh, uh, get enough of. Okay. And it also helps, too, the last few years that uh, Tim Raines has gone into the Hall of Fame. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I would expect that Larry Walker will be uh, will be in Cooperstown next summer. One more year, I think, for uh, for Larry Walker. Yeah, we have to hope on that one. You didn't cheer for the Nats, like, right? When yeah, they... no, the, my, my situation is, is similar to what uh, Jack just described, is that when they moved, they really didn't honor the, the history, uh, in my opinion. Um, I've been in Nationals Park. Um, if you can think of the concourse being 360 all the way around the facility, there is about a one one in one hundred thousandth area for the expos it's this little place in the corner that shows a a little bit of expo stuff it's about four feet wide and four feet tall it it was kind of insulting that that's all they have with the rich tradition that the expos have um and I, i you know frankly i don't really blame them if they want to get their own identity that's fine great do that um but it, it, I'm kind of lost as an Expos fan. And it would be the same thing if the if the Oilers were to have ever left Edmonton. It's like, I, how can I all of a sudden just, just love another team? So over the years, I've, I've waited for something to materialize within me. Uh, it's been, you know, what are we looking at, 15 years now since they left. Um, this year, the, it was cool seeing the uniform and seeing Scherzer wearing it and throwing the bullpen. Love that. Um, I get really excited when we start talking Tampa Bay, possibly moving up, splitting games, whatever we need to do to get a team back into Montreal. Um, hopefully they get a situation where they get that ballpark downtown. And and if they have that and the ability to, you know, draw 25,000 plus and when they're good, get up to 40, 45, I think it's viable. Um, there's a lot of money out there as, <laughs> as we know, they're looking to, to put this ballpark in a prime location in Montreal. So, yeah, it's a little bit tough to see when they decide that they'll honor the Expos and it's, it's purely marketing, it's purely money. It's actually not about the tradition that Montreal established, so that's tough to see. But on the flip side, I'm glad at least we're seeing it. Kind of a weird situation. Yeah, I was, uh, when the Jets left Winnipeg in 96, there wasn't a chance I was cheering for uh, the Coyotes. Yeah, I wanted to see guys like, uh, you know, Kachuk and Jamnoff and, and whatever um, do well, Happy Bulin and and Doan to a to a small degree at that point was, uh, but I was never like okay, this is my new team. I was just like until the Jets come back, I won't have a team or whatever it might be. So uh, it's it, it's tough, and um, I would love to see a team back in Montreal. Do you think you know this is the the best most realistic chance we've had since they left, or do you do are you not a believer until you see shovels in the ground? Well, I. I, I don't think Tampa's going back there. Uh, they've got a pretty much ironclad lease down there. This, whoever negotiated that on behalf of the city knew what they were doing and earned every penny that they got paid. So I'm not so sure, despite all the, the rumors and the fact that the Tampa owners have invited uh, the Bronfmans down to, uh, to watch a, a playoff game, that that's going to materialize. We'll see. Uh, you know, stranger things have happened. The, the Winnipeg Jets moved to Phoenix and now the Winnipeg Jets, not the Phoenix Coyotes are back and the Cleveland Browns are back 
after moving to Baltimore. And I think that's probably what ends up happening, that the Expos come back, the Nationals stay where they are, and they figure out a way to get the Expo colors and history back in Montreal with that, whatever that new team is. All right, we have a lot of baseball to uh, talk about yeah. today, um, but uh, let's uh, let's get a little bit of your uh, baseball background. Um, you know, when did you, Jack, when did you start falling in love with baseball and why? I've always enjoyed it. Uh, played it as a kid uh, growing up like anybody, and a lot of Sandlot stuff. There was a, a, a corner lot uh, at the end of our street uh, here in Edmonton that uh, that was empty and that we used to play ball at instead of actually going probably another thousand meters to uh, the, <laughs> the school field. And uh, we used to fire balls uh, over into people's fences and backyards. Awesome. And, and, you know, typical kid stuff and, and grew up. And once I realized that I didn't have the ability to uh, play the game at, at, a, at a level like Jordan played at, uh, tried to stay close to the game. Did you grow up in Edmonton? Yep. What, uh, what was it like playing youth baseball in this community uh, when you were younger? And, and what have you seen, and maybe even with like Pro-Am and seeing kids and, and sporting groups come in, what, what can you kind of touch on as far as the growth of, of the sport of baseball in general from when you were growing up in the city to where you see it at now? When I was growing up, Terry Poole, was mm-hmm. the one big league player that I could associate with. Melville. That's Mel- right. Kevin Mel- Carius is uh, really tight with uh, with Terry Poole, I think. So Melville, Saskatchewan is, you know, the one beacon of, of Canadian baseball as far as, you know, somebody to follow in a box score. Now, holy smoke, Soroka yesterday dominates. Mm-hmm. You know, goes seven. Did he go seven or? Yeah, it, I think it was seven. Yeah, it had seven strikeouts and just was unbelievable yesterday. Candidate for both the Cy Young and, and the National League Rookie of the Year. You know James Paxton. Uh, there's there's somebody just about on every organization at at the highest level, and I think what we see now is, you know, with the with the academies, the year round training that goes out, and the dedication to it, it really truly is the golden age of Canadian baseball. Mm-hmm. Your kids are uh, involved. Your daughters play softball pretty yep. competitively. Yep, and you they traveled a lot. You were were you in Brandon for this for a tournament this year? Uh, no, uh, the farthest we were were away was Lawrence, Kansas. Wow. Yeah. Uh, our, one of the assistant coaches on our team, uh, his daughter is uh, a senior this year at the University of Kansas. Uh, she plays uh, for the, the, the Jayhawks. So we went down there to a tournament and got the royal treatment and, wow. and got to see uh, them play Texas. And now I'll tell you that, that's a pretty big program right there. Everything Texas does, it, the, the line is true. Everything is bigger in Texas. But it was fantastic to go down. We saw uh, the men's team, the, the, the baseball team, play Creighton on the Friday night. And then we saw the uh, the uh, the Jayhawks softball team play Saturday versus Texas. Oh, that's amazing! Um, tell us your history with the uh, the Edmonton Trappers. You, you mentioned that when you stopped playing, you wanted to stay as close to the game as as possible. Was that when you went got involved with the uh, the Trappers? Yeah, I recall writing a letter to uh, the Trappers, and it got answered by their PR director at the time, Steve Smith. Uh, no relation to the defenseman, and uh, he had me uh, come in for an interview, and I ended up running the scoreboard. Uh, for a couple of seasons, uh, ended up being an official scorer for a season. And then when uh, somebody moved on, I was the clubby for three seasons. A uh, lot of work, a lot of hours. One man show, not like the big leagues where they've got, you know, a complete staff. Really got to know a lot of great people. I uh, found out what I didn't want to do in life. I found out I did not want to uh, be a clubhouse full time. <laughs> no doubt, eh? Uh, did more laundry than uh, anybody should in a lifetime. 
uh, and but had a great time. And, and that was during the uh, the Angels era. We had uh, Tom Kochman as a manager and uh, Max Olivares, uh, and there were a lot of fun people. Like so, g- the guys that came up through my era were Gary Desercina, hmm. Mike Fetters, uh, uh, Lee Stevens, who ended up playing from Lawrence, Kansas. Ironically, uh, uh, played for the Expos and the Cleveland Indians for a bunch of years, uh, and, and had some really really good teams. Did you have a, a favorite player? Maybe not so much because he was the star, but just a guy that was just great to you and, and recognized that, you know, you're the future fan, just like you guys treat your, you know, you know, bat boys and things like that. Was there a guy that you really kind of got to talk to and got to know and really enjoyed? Well, when I was doing the clubhouse, I wasn't, you know, I was older. Uh, so I was, it was in, while well, I was at university. So oh, okay. it, was, it was a okay. summer job. It, it, so it wasn't like, you know, a bat boy or a young guy. Okay. Uh, so I, I actually was similar age to quite a few of the guys. Uh, got along really well with uh, with Mike Fetters mm-hmm. and, and Gary DeSercina. Uh, DeSercina, we had a great bet in the 1990 Stanley Cup final. I took his money on that. Thank you very much, uh, Edmonton Oilers. There you go. That's good <laughs> stuff. What, uh, what, what was the best part about being in the clubhouse through the season? I know it's a grind, um, and I know that your job is actually kind of thankless to be able to to get all that done always on time. What was uh, outside of just kind of meeting the guys? What was the best part of working down at Remax Field back then? It was John Ducey, correct? It was yep. Ducey. What was the best part of that job for you? Uh, just the day to day interaction with the guys. Uh, you know, when it was time to work, it was time to work, and a lot of times, you know, we'd have some long, long homestands because AAA at that time mm-hmm. teams would come in for four games. And you could have a, uh, a three-team uh, homestand. So, you know, you're going for an extended period of time. And sometimes there were 16-game homestands. That was a bit of a grind when you're going every night, every night, every night. And then a uh, day game after a night game, that mm-hmm. was difficult. Uh, but the day-to-day interaction with the players, you know, the, it was always great when a big leader came down uh, because he would tip. Yeah. Uh, I had a really good experience with Mark Clear, who was a, uh, a Boston Red Sox legend. Uh, Fernando Valenzuela, uh, I worked with, and, wow. and, and it, so we were there for Fernando Mania when he packed the joint out. That was really cool. But, that must have been wild. Uh, yeah, it was. Like, it was. Well, it was insane because all the asks would come in, and you know, a little bit frustrating in that you still had to get your day to day done, uh, but all of the extra stuff that would be flying at you because uh, mm-hmm. the uh, you know the big show was in town. A little bit frustrating because I felt bad for some of the guys that were on the way up that they would get overshadowed by somebody who was on the way down mm-hmm. and hopefully back up. But mm-hmm. Fernando was great. He really was a great guy. He seemed like just like uh, the, you know, the ultimate great personality. Yep. Uh, quiet, uh, but treated me really, really well. Mm-hmm. Treated me really well. Uh, but, but without a doubt, I, you know, and I forgot one when you asked me who else. Uh, Vance Lovelace, hmm. greatest name. A big lefty, uh, <laughs> played with the Marin- Mariners as well. And Vance could throw... A ton, and I believe he is a Dodger uh, player executive at this point. Very nice. So, when you weren't working, did you get to at least enjoy games, or what, what was it like during the game? Oh, I'd I'd certainly peek my head out on the field at times and spend some time in the uh, in the bullpen uh, during the game, but not for long. You know, stuff had to get done. Whatever laundry was done from BP had mm-hmm. to get back in and, and into lockers, and you had to get prepped for for post game. So, it was uh, it. You know, not a lot of spare time. Uh, I I quite enjoyed when the guys were on the road because I didn't travel with them, so uh, that was a nice break. Yeah, uh, because they sometimes they would do like uh, 
I was so I, w- I don't know who I was talking to, but they would play like eight games in a week because you played doubleheaders on Sundays sometimes, especially when like Hawaii would come or th- sometimes like that. Well, when the guys would go to Hawaii, that was uh, when when I worked for the Trappers, the the Islanders were no longer. Okay, okay. Uh, so uh, they were already out of the league at, the, at that point, and so but the teams loved it because you know they'd go over for eight days to no doubt. to Honolulu and play in you know pretty much a virtually empty Aloha Stadium. <laughs> But they were in Hawaii for eight days. Yeah, what a great setup that would be. So what? Oh my uh, goodness. Well, what was the what was the spread like for the trappers? Uh, did you get in on that? Did did you get to have the food and all the the perks of that? Luckily, luckily, uh, I I didn't have to provide the spread for the home <laughs> team because uh, that is a huge expense. And uh, minor league baseball players not highly paid. Uh, so no doubt, uh, you had to do a lot for a little. Uh, and and. Uh, you had to stretch where you could. Yeah, no doubt. Um, okay, so we, we would all, um, I think every one of us uh, would admit that uh, if AAA baseball could come back, it would be a wonderful thing. And it was a wonderful time in Edmonton, um, you know, but uh, I'm of the opinion, and, and so are most people in baseball, that that ship has sailed. And we do have the Edmonton Prospects and the Western Canadian Baseball League. I think it's a great product. Um, you know, what do you think about baseball in Edmonton right now? I agree with you. Minor league baseball, uh, outside of maybe you know the success that they've got in in Vancouver, right, is a tough sell to come this far north, uh, unless there's, you know, if, if there was a Canadian circuit, you know, if you played Edmonton, uh, Calgary, Saskatoon, maybe Winnipeg, Winnipeg, I guess, you know, that's a little bit far east, you know, for for a north south circuit, but, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that uh, that uh, people can come out and see the prospects play because it to your point, is a tremendous level of baseball. And with your league, Jordan, pushing more and more players into uh, higher levels of baseball, we just need somebody. I think what people really dig about the old AAA days is saying, I saw Wally Joyner playing Edmonton. I saw Devon White playing Edmonton. I saw Tim Salmon playing Edmonton. And then on opposing teams, like Sandy Alomar Jr., uh, spent a a fair amount of time with him when, when he was coming through with Colorado Springs on his way up with Cleveland. And uh, that's what people need to be able to see. They need to see that guy at, they need to see Mike Soroka on TV. Mm-hmm. But they could have seen Mike Soroka from Calgary. Live. Live, in person, at your neighborhood diamond. Yeah, totally. For, in Soroka's case, he was uh, high school drafting. And he never, never got the chance to play in our league, which is unfortunate for us, but really great for, for Mike Soroka to, to get up there so quickly um, and to have the success that he's having. You know, at the at the end of the day, we we do have a couple of players that uh, mm-hmm. in, in the old WNBL that are up there: Andrelton Simmons, Marco Gonzalez. Uh, but you're right; uh, the the more players that we're able to attract here in in their freshman and sophomore years uh, that have ability to play professionally, the better. You know, fans will be able to identify. Um, you know, that's something our league is definitely trying to. Uh, promote and try to have happen is that we're able to tap into more and more talented players. Um, in my opinion, the league has evolved and has gotten better. Um, we have a couple of alumni in pro baseball with uh, local product Eric Sabrowski out of the, the Samba Minor Baseball uh, System and the, and the Prospects Academy. And um, he's just back after uh, Tommy John surgery. Um, a fairly fairly highly touted prospect. You know, great kid off the field and, and an opportunity to do something in pro baseball. Uh, one of our guys from last summer, two summers ago, Edgar Barkley's in the Yankee system. 
Uh, we had a player three summers ago sign uh, and has since subsequently been released. But um, there's a couple guys in the big leagues right now that uh, have played in the league. Uh, the Andrew Kittredge with uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. He was with the Okotoks Dogs. And so we're hopeful that we're able to make this happen uh, moving forward. You know, we had, uh, we had a couple players last summer that have uh, the ability to pr- play pro baseball. Um, moving forward, Jack, what... Uh, what do you think that uh, is the best part of this league uh, that we do have now uh, for kids? Remembering back to when when you used to play backyard baseball and back alley baseball, what do you think we can do as an organization to to continue to improve that connection with with the youth uh, that that enjoy the sport? Well, your involvement with the uh, the academies, whether it's the Prospects Academy or, or other academies around town or you know in Alberta, there's a lot of great baseball being played, and I think if people can uh coordinate uh I, I don't know how to really put that into terms i i guess from a from a fan development perspective i just don't think people realize how good the ball is that you play at, at remax I, I really don't uh and i think at the end of the day and you had a just a a devil of a time this year. I know that cuz I stood in a lot of rain at softball diamonds. <laughs> yeah. You had the worst summer ever. Uh, you know, the, the best recipe for, for successful baseball or s- successful softball or any outdoor sport for that matter is sunshine. Sun, yeah. And you just didn't get it this year. So if, you know, you get a great weather year and, and uh, you keep doing what you're doing, I, I think the, you know, the sky's the limit for this organization because like I said, you have more and more kids that are going to the next level and then that next level and that next level and to the ultimate level that we're seeing now. And I think what, if somebody got to the major league level and said, this is where I got my start, that would just, that would be the key. Well, it, it, we had uh, Cam Moon on the show a while ago, and, and he was, you know, mentioning the fact, you know, here's a guy from the north side, but he's like, that ballpark is a half hour from almost anywhere in the city at the most, right? It's like south side, north side, you know, it's 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 such a central location, beautiful area, you know, maybe we get some, like, uh uh, tenants in there, whether it be a bar or restaurant or something, um, on a nice day, is there any better view or any better, anywhere better to be than down there? Um, you know, having a dog and a beer or whatever it might be, uh, a soda pop, uh, in the sun, watching baseball. It's, it's such a great location. Uh, you know, hopefully they get the things sorted out with the, the, the tenant and, and what's going on. And hopefully it is, uh, the eminent prospects, but you're right. If you get some nice weather, Saturday afternoon or a Thursday evening, it's such a nice and and, and affordable family entertainment. Like this is, and I've worked in this uh, city since 2003. I know it's an Oilers city, uh, but the Oilers don't play in the summertime. And uh, the Eskimos only play one game a week, if that. This is constant entertainment, if it's nice. No question. And if if you Google mapped uh, the city and without drawing into it and said, point to the center of Edmonton, pretty close. You're coming within a hundred meters of, of uh, Remax field. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse to say, ah, I can't get there. That's right. Yeah. You, it really isn't. Uh, so it's just a, a matter of, are they getting the weather? Is the product on the field uh, worth going? Uh, there's one thing you can control and you've done a heck of a job the past few years with, with that. Uh, Mother nature is the other one. So no matter what you do at the end of the day, if you don't get the weather, you're fighting a bit of an uphill battle but it's absolutely great entertainment 
at an affordable price. And it sounds kind of infomercially or, or <laughs> yeah, you're preaching to the choir here, but honestly, but it, but it, it is truly, like, it truly is. And well, it's, it's a, it's phenomenal. Like, you know, for all the, 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 uh, the vilification that, uh, I don't even know if that's a word, but if it is good on me, uh, <laughs> if, <laughs> Peter Pockington, when, when they were redesigning the field after they knocked down, uh, Ducey, uh, to have those suites at field level, uh-huh. incredible. And I'm surprised that other major league ballparks haven't followed suit. Yeah, it's uh, we we had a chance to watch a game from a suite just off of home plate this year, and um, you're right. Like most of the times I watch games live are from a press box, which is the easiest place to watch a game from. You know, obviously the higher up you are uh, in hockey, football, you see those kind of holes develop. Sitting low at baseball is for me is the the coolest thing because you see the movement of uh, the pitcher you know you you don't get it slowed down like on fox where you can see the rotation but you see the movement you see how fast that ball comes off the bat especially off your turf yep. and and how fast the uh the fielders have to react so you really get um you know any anytime you sit lower in a sport you get a more of an appreciation i feel for how tough that sport is uh, but baseball, you just see how fast it is. Because a lot of people associate the word slow with baseball because there's time in between pitches and this and that. Well, you see how fast the game is from down low. For sure. And you know what? Uh, th- there's nothing better than seeing you know, an upper 80s, low 90s fastball under the lights at the end of the game. Uh, that, that pop it creates in the catcher's glove, uh, the way it comes out of a pitcher's arm there's something about night baseball when the lights come on that that adds an element to to the pitcher and to the 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 delivery of the pitch as it's coming to the plate um you guys touched on this uh you know obviously i'm biased because of my baseball background but as far as things to do in the summer to to go out with your friends uh and, and we like to call remax field a community gathering place uh we really feel that it is that to be able to go out with your friends, enjoy a, a great summer's evening, um, uh, hang out, have lots of room. You know, it's a roomy place. You know, we'll get two, 3,000 fans in there and then it'll kind of feel tight, but there's still room to maneuver. To be able to enjoy that experience for, you know, two and a half, three hours with family and friends, to be entertained for something cool to happen, um, to be able to, you know, have a pop, have a beer, have a hot dog, and to spend that time within your community and in an open air, but enclosed space, uh, and, and the energy that that brings, um, you know what, man, like there's nothing better to do in the city. And with the, the sight lines and the view, um, even if you don't like baseball and then I can understand that it's boring. It's, it's whatever to some people, I get that, um, you're still being entertained. So it's, it's like a play. It's like a comedian. It's like any of the entertainment options that we have in the city. It's, it, it boils down to it's an entertainment option. Whether you love the game or not, you're going there to be entertained. And I'll tell you what, it's not just on the field. Some of the coolest things that happen at Remax Field are when foul balls are hit mm-hmm. and you get kids going after them. Hey, we peek up there too, man. Like that's entertaining for us on the field level. We, go, we look up and we see kids going after balls. I mean, that's part of the, the show for the fans. So um, there's lots to do there. Uh, I got a story about that. Uh, and it's my youngest daughter, we were there for my oldest daughter's uh, softball team. And they were there, uh, you know, as a group. Mm-hmm. And and this is probably four years ago. She uh, caught a ball. Or not, didn't catch a ball. Ball went into the stands. And uh, it all the kids it went the running, running yeah. down <laughs> the uh, third baseline. 
and she got the ball. And everybody in the River Valley knew when she got that ball because she was yelling and cheering all awesome. the way back. <laughs> Even the crowd enjoyed it because she literally, we were, to your point, uh, sitting behind home plate mm-hmm. up, in, up in the stands, just closer to the press box. And she, she got it on the right down the edge by your bullpen. Oh, wow. And she came running down and not quiet. Yeah. She had a great time. <laughs> awesome. And just that kind of thing that you see uh, when a kid gets a foul ball yeah. or gets a ball tossed up, mm-hmm. uh, there's, you've just given them a million bucks. One of the uh, winners of our contest that day was telling me the story. Uh, Justin uh, is his name. He's a Cardinals fan, but nobody's perfect. So um, he was telling me how when he was a kid, his parents would give him money to go to the Trappers game. So he would use his money to get into the first game. But then the more foul balls you collected equaled tickets. So he kept getting money from his parents that he would not have to use because he got tickets for these foul balls and would be able to buy all this stuff at the concessions. But he said that was it, you know, running after foul balls. It's like when a puck went over the glass at a weekend game, we would all scramble to to get that as kids. Um, but the best part is, is when somebody makes that catch, like that day we were there, there was a kid with the, you know, the leaner, he's probably got his eyes closed, but it goes in the glove and, and everybody reacts, including, yep. including you guys. Um, okay. Let's get into uh, major league baseball playoffs and four games today. Um, one of them starting uh, very shortly of when we are recording uh, this podcast and it's the Astros and the Rays. Uh, Zach Greinke the third of murderer's row when it comes to pitchers for that Astros team against uh, Charlie Morton, who to me sounds like uh, um, Eddie Harris from uh, Major League. <laughs> he's, you know, just the name Charlie Morton. I think he's like about 35 years old. I don't know if he's got the old Vaseline going or not, but, you know, I thought the Rays' best chance was the other night. Um, you know, Jack, this Astros team, as you pointed out to me, when you have Correa batting seventh, uh, it's amazing, but... You know, what What can Charlie Morton and the Rays do against Zach Greinke that they, they didn't get done against the first two guys in Cole and Verlander? Well, that's the beauty of baseball. Anything can happen. And uh, you just need to miss your pitch and have it sail over the fence. And today's the game with the balls the way they are. <laughs> and, you know, one through eight or in, in the American League, one through nine can, can put it in the cheap seats. Uh, then... Anything can happen, and that's the beauty about playoff baseball. Somebody texted me the other night and said, "This playoff baseball is unbelievable," and I likened it to nine innings of overtime hockey. And yeah. What I mean by that is because there's a time between each pitch. Now, a lot of people would say, "Oh God, that's so slow. Baseball moves so slow." I just think, especially in the playoffs, it enhances the anticipation of, "Okay, here we go, here we go." And it doesn't matter if your team is playing D or your your guys at the plate. Anything can happen, and you have to wait 30 to 45 seconds in between each one of those deliveries. Every pitch literally does matter. Um, you know, when it's 8-2, like, okay, I was watching that Dodger game yesterday. They're down 2 nothing, and I'm already thinking they could be out of the playoffs in one more game. <laughs> and then boom, 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 it goes off. But when it's your team, a 2 nothing lead seems like 6 nothing at times in the playoffs just because... You know, they got the runs, and now their pitcher's locked in, whatever it might be. For When your team is trailing in the playoffs, any lead seems almost insurmountable, doesn't it, Jordan? Yeah, for sure. You know, you you, you stick to the plan. Um, yeah, Annabelle Sanchez made one mistake right at the end of his outing, and right. once he got him, and that was what 
the Dodgers needed something. At that point, they were stymied offensively, so they're able to put a run up. You know, put put something in the back of the Nationals' mind. Now, yesterday's games did seem like it went on a little bit, just because the Dodgers went went crazy. They on went them off. It, they, they went off yeah, and tailed it. Yeah, a little bit at the end. However, uh, the rally that they were able to create is exactly what Jack's talking about. That edge of your seat. What's going to happen? And it just so happens that the Canadian boy, Russ Martin, came up with the big hit. Um, for that to happen, the way it played out, um, that's what you want as a fan is is a little bit of adversity. You know, you overcome it, and then boom, you, the big inning erupts, and, and then you settle in, and then you go on cruise control. Now, the cool thing about the Astros-Rays game today is that Charlie Morton's going up against Granky. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie Morton was Granky last year as that's the number right. three guy in, in the Astros rotation. Um, I really like Morton, man. He, he's he's big time. He's got big time stuff, big time curveball. A lot uh, of curveballs. Like a lot he of curveballs. Re- yeah. really relies on that curveball. Now, it, uh, to go up against like uh, the 15th best fantasy baseball player, um, and you know, I always get to, to drop in the fantasy numbers. Cole and Verlander are one and two. Greinke was like 12 or 15. So their third best guy was literally better than most other, like DeGrom mm-hmm. and one other guy were the only guys left. Uh, Granky's got dirty stuff. Um, he knows how to pitch. Uh, this will be a task for Tampa. It's a tough, tough goal for them because they've they've battled hard against you know the juggernaut Astros and just haven't been able to come up with the offense. <laughs> Who can blame them with Verlander and Cole? So, you know, if if you think you're getting a reprieve tonight, I mean, Granky's not that far off those guys. This is their shot to get a win with Morton. Uh-huh. Um, they do have a healthy bullpen. Everybody's ready to go. Um, I'd, I'd like to see them push it. You know, let's see if they get into game four and then anything can happen because, you know, you're probably up against Irquidy, a young arm, uh, doesn't have a ton of experience. You might be able to, you know, sneak one there. Now you got game five, anything can happen. So uh, this is this is their best opportunity. This is their last opportunity. And they got the right guy on the mound with Morton. Well, he was the right guy in their in their uh, game to get here, right? He He's uh, 1-0 in his last five playoff appearances. He hasn't lost in his last, he hasn't been roughed up. And and I think uh, four of those, like this year with the Rays, but the other ones were with Houston. So yeah. do, does he have, you know, out of any pitcher that the Rays are going to throw at the Astros, does he have the best advantage over any of them? Because he, maybe he knows this lineup a little bit because he was with them. Not that he pitched against them a lot in, in practice or anything, but... Does he know what makes this Astro team tick a little bit, maybe? I think it's different uh, in, in baseball, especially. You know, you, you your offense goes against defense in, in, in uh, football, and, you know, you, you battle in basketball and hockey. I, I just I don't see that. Uh, but at the end of the day, anything can happen. And I know that sounds very super cliche, but it truly is. He can come out and just deal today, and this might not be the Astros' day. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, you know, and it's not going to matter – uh, what uh, Charlie Morton does if the Rays don't get a hit off yeah. Granky, like fourteen. Yeah. What is it? Uh, I was looking at it. Fourteen and a two thirds, five hit shutout ball from Verlander and Garrett Cole in the first two games, um, and then you got to get to the get through their bullpen once once they get there. But well, they had a chance to win that game. They did, you know. But they got to get something going off a starter. Yeah. Y- you can't just wait till Verlander and Cole give it off and then and try to. <laughs> you got to get something yeah, going come off on, to guys, the first guys. Get some right? off those guys, right? Yeah, yeah. it's not going to matter what Morton no, does if they don't get something off uh, Granky. They'll need to do something against the starting pitcher at some point. Yeah, the Achilles heel with with the Houston Astros is their bullpen. That's it. Uh, 
and I don't think it's that much it, of an Achilles heel. That's what I mean. It's not, it's a it's a drop compared to their starters, but it's not the Nationals bullpen. No, no. <laughs> Outside of the Yankees, is there a bullpen you trust that's left? Uh, no. Uh, yeah, Milwaukee. I thought that's what I thought was going to get Milwaukee through was uh, was their bullpen. But uh, yeah, I, I like the Braves bullpen. I've said it for a yeah, while yeah, now. Do you, you have said um, that actually? I do trust the Braves bullpen, and and that's probably it. Uh, and you know, speaking of the Braves, what a crazy game that was yesterday with the Cardinals. Um, Carlos Martinez just uh, the Cards uh, thought they had it won. Oh, won nothing that late. Absolutely. Going into the night, they I think after that eighth inning, get they I think they, I think they had thought it was done. Oh, I'm I'm sure, and and just just the way Carlos Martinez, like for me, I don't like that attitude on the mound. I love I love energy. I'm a big energy guy, but uh, you know he's blowing kisses at Billy Hamilton yeah. on second base. Like, get get your head right, man. Like, what what are we doing here? You need to execute a pitch. I'm all for energy. Like Pedro's my favorite guy ever. Pedro, come and bring it and 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 give you a little bit of swagger with that. I'm all for that. Uh, you know, where Carlos Martinez, it's, it's just more of a distraction to what your job actually is of getting out at the plate. Um, you know, tough for, for the Cardinals to lose that way. Uh, you know, if they if they sneak that game, I mean, they got a really good opportunity. Uh, the Braves bullpen did their job. Um, I, I like where they've settled down here. Um, you know, it, Melanson worries me, but he's got it done, so... <laughs> Um, they do have a backup guy in green if they need to flip, re- flip and reverse roles. Uh, but you know what? That JD element, uh, the energy, uh, Fre- Freddie Freeman, and then Swanson comes up, Dansby, um, who has just kind of come out. This is his coming out party as a big-time shortstop in, in baseball. Um, had some struggles early in his career for mm-hmm. consistency. Uh, what a huge hit, and I love how he celebrated at second base. And then you look at J.D. dang near blowing a gasket on the bench because he's so jacked up. Um, yeah, there's something about that. There's something to be said about that energy in that clubhouse. Uh, you know, they believe in themselves, and to get that feeling and to come back on a team, to really cement that belief, um, I, I like the Braves moving forward. All right, so the Braves have Dallas Keuchel on the uh, hill today. Didn't last that long. I think less than five innings in the opener. Uh, but he didn't. All, it means he didn't throw a lot of pitches. I think he was under seventy-five pitches. Uh, Daniel Hudson, I think, is uh, going for yep. uh, the uh, the Cards, the former Blue Jay. But uh, you know, this is why the Braves went and signed Keiko halfway through the season for th- these moments. No question. And and uh, you know, he's the veteran presence on a really young squad. I mean, that's the beauty about the Atlanta Braves is. They are really, really yeah. young. Yeah, you got Donaldson and, and Keuchel, and everybody else is yeah. uh, you got, you know, you under got, that. you got those two veterans uh, who've been there, done that. And uh, and so we'll see today. I, like I said, I just it, that's the true romance of baseball. Anything can happen. I mean, I guess you can say that in most sports, but baseball is just is truly that anything can happen sport. So we got uh, actually Dakota, Dakota Hudson, Dakota yeah, Hudson sorry, yeah. going uh, for the cards. Uh, the other Hudson's with the Nats, that's and he's right, actually the guy confused. that, yeah, that yeah. can get it done he for them. He came in late. That's why I was looking at that going, that doesn't seem really uh, to be. So I apologize for that. Dakota Hudson. So so let, let's quickly touch on the bullpen usage. Um, the, the Nats, uh, you know, their, their strategy, and, and, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't blame Dave Martinez, like who am I to blame him, but I don't blame the, the idea and strategy behind, I'm gonna use my best bullets, um, I'm not gonna wait around, we, you know, we need to win tonight versus what's gonna happen next week if we get to, to mm-hmm. the, the, the championship series. Um, however, 
it, it's still early. It, it, it's like you, you're going to Corbin, um, and obviously if the plan works, the plan works. Um, but for me, at some point, you're going to run out of bullets. You know, if we can't trust our bullpen to get through that 2-1 game in, in game three, you know, where, where are we at in game five? You know, who are we going to in game five? So for me, it's just at, at some point, you, you're just going to run out of arms. Um, they don't have enough in the bullpen. You know, when, when you've gone to Fernand, uh, Rodney twice in three games, um, that doesn't bode well for your long-term ability to win a, a World Series. Um, they've got work to do in the offseason to shore that bullpen up. There, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but to go to Corbin in the sixth for it to, to not work out, that was kind of like, this is our this is our one shot. And, and it backfired. It, it didn't work. Um, I, I think they're in trouble, obviously. Uh, they put a lot of stress on that pitching staff already uh, in pitches thrown and, and starters coming in to relieve and whatnot. So um, it, it doesn't look good for the Astros, or sorry, for the Nationals moving forward. Um, we talked about this last year, Dino, with the Brewers, you know, going to so many arms and the openers and, and everything that you need to do to, to navigate through a series. You know, the more times you get guys up, the more pitches they throw in the bullpen, the more times they come into games, it's wear and tear. It's it's simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, now now it's like a race against time. Can we get through this series before we lose the bullets? And, and you know, you last night, you, know, you saw a little bit of that. It wasn't sharp. Uh, Dakota Hudson, 9-2 and two at home this year. Uh, it's really, I think he's like uh, has 14 wins in his last 24 uh, starts, something like that. It's really good. Um, not so good on the Braves side of things is Josh Donaldson. Um, and, and I mentioned this on Friday uh, with you. And it's funny, after we got off the air with you, he you know drove in a run. Yeah. But he has two hits in 12 at-bats and two RBIs in the playoffs. And outside of that one, I think 2015 with the Blue Jays, Josh Donaldson does not have great playoff numbers. Or, you know, don't don't you expect more for if you're an Atlanta Braves fan, aren't you saying, you know, we need more from our number four hitter here? There's always somebody that comes up and uh surprises. You know, in the in the Giants uh World Series victories, you know, Edgar Renteria mm-hmm. and Cody Ross. Yeah. Marco Scudero. None of those guys uh are are guys that you would say, Yep, that's gonna be the guy. And so I, I think that as long as you're getting production from the team, uh, you're fine. But to your point, you know, I, I do think that people expect more. And I'm sure Josh Donaldson is probably pressing like there's nobody's business. And, and uh, it just hasn't happened for him yet. Yeah, I, you're, you're right. Uh, there are guys that uh, always seem to uh, step up. And, um, you know, I, I guess uh, somebody will be doing, well, Dansby Sweeney is hitting 455 in the, uh, in the series. So... Huge hit uh, last night in yeah. the ninth inning. Yeah, yeah, like so. So that that's right, right? It's like sometimes, um, you know, was it like didn't Ed Sprague had a really big hit for the Blue Jays at Huge. one point? Yeah, you know, big like home run. sometimes you just look back at those times and are like, okay, this well, guy. Duvall's come up with two big pinch hits uh, for for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been their guy. He hit a home run the other night and and you know well, stayed on a two strike pitch, put it center field. They ended up going ahead on that. Uh, scored Swanson after he hit a double off Carlos Martinez. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always the unsung heroes. It's every sport. It's it's the guys that, that the, the role players, the guys that you don't consider being the main guy right. that are in a support role that come through. Well, okay, so we just finished talking about the Cardinals. How about David Freeze when he was a uh, a Cardinal? Yeah. And, and 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 last night during the Dodger game, they mentioned that that Justin Turner went to management and said, 
we need David Freeze for our next playoff run. Like, he went to management and obviously pretty clutch. Uh, three hits for a non-starter. I think there'd uh, only been like two or three guys or four guys that ever had uh, had done that in that situation. So it kind of just, you know, goes to your point that uh, every at-bat could create a, a new hero. No question. And, and guys rise up in the playoffs, and that's the key. Somebody's going to rise up. The, the teams that get to this point got here because they've got a great 25-man roster. Now they're in the, in, in the playoffs, and they're playing against everybody else's great 25-man roster. The Baltimore Orioles and my Giants aren't anywhere near these playoffs, so it gets a lot tougher. And it's those role players who come up, and that's the beauty about baseball again. Mm-hmm. And I, I realize we're three baseball guys talking to people listening to a baseball podcast. Right, yeah. We're all in the same church. Uh, but those role players, uh, it's, it really truly is the romance of baseball, and have those guys uh, pop up. There's going to be somebody today. You're telling me with four games, somebody out of the blue isn't going to do something that makes everybody go wow, and it's yeah. going to be on Sports Center all night. Yeah, like it, you know, in hockey, you have the uh, Peter Klima overtime goal every once in a while, but you know, in the last ten minutes of the third period, those guys aren't getting on the ice a lot, right? In baseball, you're coming up to bat no yeah. matter. It's you know, you maybe get pinch hit for, but then that gives uh, somebody else an opportunity. And uh, Max Scherzer is the guy that the Nats are hoping gives them another opportunity. And I mentioned it to you guys before we got on the air. I was watching that game last night. It was 2 nothing for the Nationals, and I was already starting to think about uh, an elimination game. Uh, and, and, you know, I was just, my mind. No and faith. Then, yeah, well, no well, faith, I just, well, <laughs> Sorry, uh, my team has slightly <laughs> disappointed me the last uh, seven years. They've won the NL West. But anyway, I was starting to think those thoughts again. Yep. And then things turn around. Um, but now, Rich Hill has to beat Max Scherzer. And what do you think of that matchup uh, tonight? I like that if you're a Nationals fan. Yeah, I, I do too. I would like it too. I, I see Rich Hill a lot in, in the National League West uh, against my team. And he's, you know, he, he throws a lot of loopy balls. Uh, but if uh, if the Nationals can get on him, I, I like I like Scherzer. Well, they're, they're going to see the Dodgers bullpen tonight. So you're going to see the depth of the Dodgers bullpen. And, and that's, sim- not, that's not a knock on Rich Hill. It's just literally they don't let him go through the order for third a third time. time. Yeah. So, um you know, the, the more effective he is early, you know, he'll maybe get into the fifth or sixth inning. But if there's any type of trouble, uh, you're going to see the Dodgers bullpen going early. So uh, we'll, we'll see uh, what they've got in their bullpen uh, over the long haul. You know, yesterday was tough. You know, you see, you get up with that lead and then Joe Kelly comes in. This is this is the, the situation with Joe Kelly. It's he like no control he, at he's all. He's so good. And then that happens to him quite often. You know, when, when nothing doesn't matter, you know, he'll have those kind of outings. You know, it's like, we just need you to throw the ball over the plate here. And, and he's, he's got that level of inconsistency yeah, just, in his just game. Just let the infielders uh, pick up the ground balls instead of, I don't know. It's like a uh, Rod Hextel was a great goalie, but he gave up one bad goal a game, right? You know, you, 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 you know, Joe Kelly can be really good at times, but at times he just absolutely blows up. And, well, this is this is the thing with the Nationals. If they can, <laughs> and uh, if Scherzer can go complete game, I like their well, chances in Game yeah, Five. You know, I, I, I if would he, if he can, because the Dodgers bullpen is going to be going today, and then for Game Five they'll be taxed. Well, so but, the know, strategy behind this this is where anything can happen. This uh, is exactly uh, territory, and I, I'm talking about Rich Hill here. Like this guy did not pitch a lot this year. He had a, a an injury plagued season. 
Maybe Rich Hill goes and throws eight compl- uh, eight innings and no. something like that. I'm just saying. No. You can't say anything <laughs> can happen and then say Rich <laughs> no. Hill can't throw eight scoreless innings. That sounded like anti-Dodger fan. No, I, I've just watched Rich Hill in the way yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the Dodgers manage. I'm not expecting manage. it. He's, there's, to Jordan's point, he won't go a third yeah. time through the, uh, yeah. to, he, he, through the will, he will pitch five and a third innings probably or six innings. Yeah, hopefully. That'll, that'll probably if, be. If, he, if he's going well. For yeah. Dodgers fans, that's what you're hoping yeah. for, Dean. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. Yeah. You, you can't say anything yeah, can happen. The pot and here. Then, I love it. He's got a lot of hope say, logic right now, doesn't he? You know he? what? Rich, Rich Hill's pitching an no, He's throwing a no-hitter yeah. tonight. I, screw you guys. You guys can both uh, let the door hit your ass yeah. on the way out of this studio after uh, <laughs> after that. But no, I, I would, I'm would. i expecting a game five. Uh, you yeah. know, I just don't think, uh, oh, I, I think Max Scherzer on an extra day of rest. Because, you know, they, they talked about... Uh, you know, you've you've been using all these guys, and and they well, they're and using in the like, pen, I, so, to, I need yeah. this guy. We yeah. need, you know, especially when that game got out of hand, right? Like, like you imagine if they would have brought Scherzer in, and then it would have <laughs> got out of hand. That's the series over, right? Yeah. No, well, I'm a little bit worried. He he did come in for an inning. He told them he he figured he had an inning to give them the other night when they won. Yeah. Um, that's different than throwing your side session in the bullpen. Before but that the even game. surprised Davey Roberts. He said he goes, "I was even surprised that the, that they went that way." That's but nine, then they weren't surprised they, for Corbin. They blow it out. Obviously, he's one of the best in the game. So we'll see. We'll see what he's got in the tank. You know, there's 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 always a repercussion to pitchers and and pitches throwing. All right, game four today: Yankees Twins. Yankees lead this series uh, two nothing. Um, I had a Twins fan get really mad at me because I didn't mention the Yankees or didn't mention the Twins when I was talking about the Yankees' home run prowess. Uh, to me, that's just the uh, the inferiority complex showing that uh, you know the Twins are the you know they hit a lot of home runs, but they're still the underdog against the Yankees. Oh, absolutely! I think they've lost twelve straight playoff games. The Twins have. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So you're looking at the Twins. Uh, you know some of the some of the words coming out of their clubhouse uh, in the interviews are. They've, they've played timid. They haven't got after it. They haven't been aggressive. Um, they've tiptoed around pitch selection. Well, I think they hit um, three home runs on Friday night and still lost. Yeah, you know, sol- solo shots. You know, That's that, true. Yeah, that, you're that, right. Yeah, that, they're not getting guys on base. You know, right. they don't hit the DD grand, grand slam there. But, but the word out of what the Twins are saying is there's been a level of timidness. Um, so maybe we're seeing a, a, a young team. They're fairly young, Minnesota. I mean, they've got Nelly Cruz. He's old, but they're they're a young core, a young first year manager, Rocco Baldelli, um, going to Yankee Stadium, and maybe don't try and put the screws to them and and try and execute and nick knick knack type stuff. Um, and, and as we've seen, it hasn't worked to date. So uh, Jake Odorizzi, basically, um, you know, he said he he's coming after him. He's not going to tiptoe around this lineup. Uh, he's going into attack mode, uh, which is good. And then not that the other guys aren't trying to be successful. Obviously, they are. But, you know, to, trying, to, trying to nibble and, and instead of challenging. Uh, and this has not worked out for the Twins. Um, you know what? Honestly, Dino, we saw this a little bit last year with the Yankees getting into, getting into the playoffs with the first-year manager of maybe not realizing the situation uh, in some pitching decisions uh, that were made. Um, he, he's been more cutthroat this year, which is always the, probably the, the best way to go for a manager in the playoffs. Uh, so, so Aaron Boone has made different decisions this year compared to last year already in a short playoff run that they've been on. Um, you're going to need to see the twins make an adjustment right now. Uh, that means that they need to figure it out and get after the Yankee hitters 
quit tiptoeing around and start challenging them more because it doesn't really matter now at this point. All right, uh, just a quick update. Uh, the Astros up one nothing. Altuve uh, has hit a solo home run, and uh, they have runners on second and third with a two-out rally. Um, that was a big thing about the Dodgers last night. Oh, two counts. They were getting hits like uh, like like starting rallies uh, with uh, with oh, two counts. Okay, so further uh, to your stat about the Twins, they've lost twelve straight to the Yankees, and they've lost fifteen straight overall. So there's just a whole bunch of blocks up against them, a big wall. Not to mention. Uh, the Yankees bullpen is pretty rested if anything runs into trouble. Like everything coming up Yankees right now. That 12 losses directly to the Yankees or straight losses to the Yankees. I, I get it. It's fun to say and, and it's, but they're all it's, playoff it's games, great, though. great media fodder. However, how many of those twins that are playing today were part of those 12 losses? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I probably, I would imagine there's only the two games, right? Correct. So, but it's still the... It's great for the yeah. media and the fans to like. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't think that uh, Odorizzi's thinking about that as Not he as he takes the hill, shaking in his boots in the bullpen. Nah. Like, oh but, man, our franchise over yeah. the course of twenty five years. Yeah. <laughs> but when yeah, and, and you're right. When a media member asks somebody about it, the, the you know, I don't think that's something they're thinking about as they step into the box or you know, to get on the rubber or you know, dive for a ground ball or something like that. It is just. It just kind of shows the Yankee dominance. Oh, without a doubt. Like it's, it's, and now their bullpen is ready to go. Yeah. Right. Like it's just, oh, you, you haven't had to dip into that. Well, you're just, it just means it's going to help you in the next round once you take out the Twins tonight. Yeah. Who's going? Severino? Severino is going for, uh, not bad. for the 98 with a hammer. Healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, this, this Yankee team and, um, the, the juggernaut, and, you know, we kept talking about them adding more power bats. Um, like, they, they, I you know, no offense to the Twins, who hit a lot of home runs, over 300 this year. I just, th- I look at that Yankee lineup, and I think, you know, any any mistake you make could be over the fence to anybody. Yeah. Without a doubt. I, they, uh, they, they can mash. Uh, the Astros can. The Dodgers can. Uh, but... All that said, you still got to have the pitching. That's the bottom line. You got to have playoff pitching because that ball doesn't fly like it does during the regular season, right? When the weather gets colder. Well, it, even though even though it's a juice ball, cold weather is cold weather. Yeah. Do you think they're they need to look at the baseball? Do you care? Uh, I want to see more people in the stands. I want to see more people get excited. Uh, purists love great pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, chicks dig the long ball. Isn't that yeah. Nike's old uh, slogan? Yeah. Well, the, uh, the, the story uh, the, just the came Atlanta out. Braves. Yeah, the story just came out. Attendance was down 1.5% this year in Major League Ballpark. Even with the, the big balls. Yeah. Huh. Even with the big balls. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, well, Major League Baseball has big balls to be able to uh, continually suspend Shoeless Joe Jackson. So you got to have big balls to be able to do that. <laughs> um, okay, so Jack Cookson is with us. From Pro-Am Sports, we're talking top five jerseys of all time. Who wants to go first? Do you want to go first, Jordan? Yeah, we can get in there. Let me just pull up my list real quick here. Was uh, this hard for you to do, Jack? No. 
<laughs> you just have like. Do you your, want? Do you want current or? It can all be time? anything. This all is time. A, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's all time. So we'll let. Uh, yeah. So all old, uh, his list. I love the old Indians all red. Uh, the the font of Indians. The the D in the middle there. Uh, and then there's some about the Indians with Major League, the movie, and all that stuff. Uh, so that's that's my fifth. Uh, it was the 1970s Indians, all right. red, top and bottom. I love that uni. All right. You, you okay. do your whole oh, list. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go with uh, the 2012 Tampa Rays 70s throwback jersey. And I love this because they weren't even around then. Which That's is so crazy. <laughs> this is classic. Uh, I just like the color scheme. I think it's a great idea that they did this. At, uh, uh, great marketing ploy by their, their office and management. Sure it is. Yeah. yeah. All that good stuff. Sells more jerseys, right? Uh, there's some about the, the baby blue, the powder blue. I, I like it with the right color scheme. Looks sharp. So I've got the 2012 Rays 70s throwback. Classic idea. Uh, I got the uh, 1987 Oakland A's. Uh, so I've got one of these jerseys, my Ricky Henderson. Nice. Um, but uh, the, the jersey I've got here on my phone is, is Reggie Jackson. He was 41 years old at that time. What year was it? The, this is 87, 87 A's. Yeah. Uh, he was on so the, the roster. Bash Brothers were on that team. Yeah, the, all, there's a yeah. ton of guys, Eckersley. So they had a couple Hall of Famers. They had the Bash Brothers. There's a bunch of other names on that roster. They're just some about that green, uh, green and yellow together. It's a great combo. Um, you know, for me, I've got a soft spot for the A's. They're, they're my American League team. It goes Expos A's. Um, I love that jersey. I've got one uh, as a souvenir with uh, Ricky Henderson's number on the back. So that'd be number three. I've got uh, this classic. We saw this this summer. Uh, the 1979 Philadelphia Phillies all burgundy top and bottom uniform which i think they only wore once in 1979 if if, if what i read was correct um i just think it looks sharp i i love that they, they've gone back to some of these retro jerseys in baseball um i've got a picture of andrew mccutcheon wearing it with uh with a couple buttons on pop the chain out looking all 70s i like bryce harper's looking at this summer too um, I love that look. I love that P for the Phillies. That's when I first started coming into loving baseball in the, in the mid eighties. That was the P that the Phillies had. I saw the Phillies play when I lived in Montreal as a really young guy. I don't remember much, but I remember that Jersey. I remember the, the OPG card baseball cards. Um, so I love the Phillies logo there, Mike Schmidt. And then, uh, my all time favorite, I'm wearing it right now, brother. I got the 84 Expos Jersey on right now. Um, the logo, it's classic. It's a cult favorite. It's a fan favorite. There's that powder blue, that color of blue again, the top and bottom. Um, they had some great players wearing that jersey, and, and so I'm going with that as my number one jersey of all time, the Expos. All right. That's, uh, that's an interesting list. It's it's almost uh, as interesting as you putting R.A. Dickey on your top <laughs> five uh, pitching staff of all time. Like, Same year as the forget race, Forget about Christy Matheson. <laughs> Uh, forget about Cy Young. Let's go R.A. Dickey, 2012. <laughs> like, your your R.A. Dickey is your Tampa Bay Rays jersey yeah, yeah, on that. I love it. That's 2012. Some about 2012. He had such a good year yeah, that year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Which, okay. I, All right, we'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> I still can't believe you did that. And you dropped Mike Fires in fantasy. <laughs> Who, by the way, should get that uh, haircut? Hey, what do you think no, about Mike Fire? No, mustache? no, 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 no. Mandatory, so mandatory. Weird. 
Okay, Jack, uh, you are in the jersey game, um, but I want to know your five favorite MLB uniforms, jerseys, looks. Okay, uh, I went at this a little bit differently. I Jordan's list is very eclectic. Uh, the only one, or the, there's two on his list that would would make my list, oh. like the, the the Kelly Green uh, Oakland A's. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. love that. Uh, I, I think that's that that would be my number five. Having an expert like the shade of green, like Kelly Green here, that's why we that's got right. on the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they've, they've had a lot of different greens. I mean, there's there's yeah. th- they've got a you know throughout the years, but that they and they wear it and they, they wore it in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is is truly my number five. Uh, the uh, the number four jersey that I've got is the Yankee pinstripe. I know it's boring, it's mm-hmm. cl- it's classic, uh, it's you know, it's Yankee pinstripes and it, it's been that way. As much as it pains me to say this, but the Dodger uh, oh, mm-hmm. uh, home jersey with with the class red fr- act right here. Yeah, no red front <laughs> uh, number and the, and, the, and the blue on the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody uh, not named uh, Koufax or Kershaw though. Anybody else? Pff, forget it. <laughs> two from two for me uh, is is uh, the. Um, is the Montreal Expos from the seventies, you know, going back to the, the, uh, the, the Tim Wallach, Tim Raines, mm-hmm. you know, I could do that whole lineup. Terry Andre Francona, Dawson. Andre Dawson and you know, Warren Cromarty and no, Spike Owen came later. Yeah, G- Gary Carter, uh, Steve Rogers, uh, that, that baby blue is, is, is my number two. And, and number one, I think you're going to be surprised by this one. You expect me to say the giants mm. is not, it's, it's the Cincinnati reds. Really? Yeah. I, I, the, uh, and, and it was close. I, I wanted to go Cincinnati reds, uh, uh but I was flip-flopping between that one and, and then to leave it out of the top five is the, the Pittsburgh Pirates. So my, can I have six? Yeah, you can, you okay. can have, I always have an honorable mention. Okay, so, so, so my yeah. one and my one a are, are, and maybe this shows I'm a, I'm a product of the seventies, uh, growing up in the seventies is the Cincinnati Reds, the big red machine, uh, pullover, not, not mm-hmm. a, a, a button up. Uh, and then the, uh, we are family, uh, mm-hmm. gold Pittsburgh pirate jerseys. Yeah. Now the Reds jerseys that you're talking about, is that, uh, with or without earrings, uh, Marge shot era or post Marge shot era? Uh, it would be when Marge's husband owned the team. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's the, the real owner. Okay. So, uh, for me, um, my number five, I, I love pinstripes too, uh, but I'm going the Cubbies, uh, pinstripes, uh, when they wear that, uh, I think the Cubbies have a great logo too. Um, it's just, uh, like, you know, the little bear and the sea, uh, it's iconic. I love the colors and, and I'm a sucker for uh, pinstripes. So, uh, Cubs for me, number five, the Expos are number four for me, anything before 92. I didn't like when they changed over in, uh, 92. I love the baby blues, uh, the, yep. the one that you have on, but the whites were my favorite. That's what I had uh, when I was young because it was cr- when it was washed, it was crisp and the, the colors popped. I also love the pinwheel hat. Remember the multicolor, yep. the, was oh. it red on the back, white? Like it was just, nobody had that. It was kind of different. And the logo, like so many people don't even know what that logo says, like the E, the M, the B, which is in translation in French, is is how they would say it um, uh, in, in French. So I, I think a lot of people don't even know that that logo has that uh, in it. So number four is the Expos. Number three is the Pirates. And, and I love those colors. Um, they're Wheat King colors. So that's what I, the team I grew up cheering for in hockey. So they're black, gold, and a little bit, not as much white uh, in, the, in the darks. But I love it. I love the... The gold uh, striped, uh, what are the they? Conductor the, the conductor hat? The conductor hat? Pillbox. Pillbox. You guys need a hat like that. 
Like you guys should have your logo is a P. You could put. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I love those colors too, and uh, you know I, I was uh, was a bit of a Pirates fan um, because of those colors. Uh, number two, Dodgers uh, for me. Um, you know, if you look at uh, their the Dodgers look now, the only difference when Clayton Kershaw puts on his jersey to when Jackie Robinson put on his jersey is the B on the hat. Right now it says L.A. Before it says Brooklyn, nothing has really changed. Uh, great colors, the blue, you know, the 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 number pops for a great Dodger legend like Kirk Gibson. This twenty three jersey that I'm uh, <laughs> looking at right now, legendary Dodger uh, uh, for his days. But it, it is very simple, and and yep. I I do love the Yankees logo for that reason too. It's simple, and in baseballs, a lot of teams in baseball have been really good about that. Is not messing with history and number one for me is the oakland days um beautiful crisp colors again too and they really they pop right the whites are are, are oh. my favorite oh, i yeah. love how the whites even their yellows like those yellows they're not like the nashville predator yellow they're like a, almost like a i don't know what color you would call those yellows but uh you know i think that uh i think they look good and like I think you can even look good in those Oakland A's jerseys, giving up a home run in Game One of the World Series. Uh, you know, if if you had to, to a great Dodger legend in Kirk Gibson. You'll never quit. Will you? I will it never. Here today. I love it. I will never. Listen, that's all I have. Yeah. That's the home run that made me a Dodger fan, and I haven't had a World Series since. I've had nothing but disappointment since. Where, you know, your Giants. They just used to win every second year. Like, did you think that was just going to, well, you obviously didn't think it was going to continue forever, but that must have been an amazing run for you. And you've you were a, you've been a Giants fan for, what, six years now? <laughs> but for you to experience that, you know, it might have been like the 80s with the Oilers, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, you know, it, it was, it's been a fun decade. Uh, it's, it's been a tough past couple of seasons as they tried to extend that decade right uh and they made some moves with some extending contracts to guys that they shouldn't have done but yeah it was phenomenal i mean there's nothing like playoff baseball i never made it to a world series game uh but i was lucky enough to uh go to uh thank you to my wife for allowing me to go uh i was lucky enough to go to two uh nlcs games nice. uh, and and saw some unbelievable baseball and just the atmosphere like it literally is electric. It truly and truly is electric being in the building or even on TV. Mm -hmm. I was in agony, you know, that in, in game seven against the Royals, which by the way, how do you two jokers have a top five playoff performance yeah. podcast last week yeah. and no mention of Madison Bumgarner? Not, not, no. Yeah. Oh my God, you yeah. guys. This, I mean, there's it, been some great performances. I mean, somebody's not going to make the list. Clearly, yeah. clearly the credibility of this podcast <laughs> Dean's influence on me is, is starting to take shape. It's like, yeah. I, I missed it. You, did he do something? Were you a Jordan Brett fan growing up? No, I, I love that. Like, did, even Mad Bum Off was did tough. He, did he do anything <laughs> relevant in the playoffs? Yeah, he's going to do what Max Scherzer is going to do to the Dodgers today. <laughs> okay, quickly, before we wrap up, we've taken a lot of your time. We appreciate it. you got a business to run. Who is your World Series pick? Two teams. What, what do you think is going to end up happening? I want to see the Braves, uh, just for the, 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 the Albertan. Uh, the Soroka story. Mm -hmm. I, I love uh, the the teacher that Ron Washington is uh, from, yeah. from an infield uh, perspective. Uh, YouTube Ron Washington teaching uh, infield. 
uh, and it's it's fun to watch. You'll learn whether you play the game still or you're just a fan of it. He's unbelievable to watch, uh, teach. So I'm hoping that it's the Braves, uh, but I believe it will be the Dodgers and against the Astros. Wouldn't it be something if, uh, you know, um, Colton Pareko brought the Stanley Cup to the Brick Tournament this year and just surprised a whole bunch of kids? Wouldn't it be something if, uh, you know, the Braves win and Mike Soroka gets to celebrate in, in Alberta and, you know, you have these two young up-and-coming players from uh, from different spots of the province in two sports? I'm not trying to sell tickets to uh, Baseball Alberta's uh, fall uh, fundraising dinner, but Mike Soroka is going to be the guest of honor. Really? That, and it's yeah. in Edmonton. Yeah. In November. I don't know all the details, but uh, uh, you should get in touch with them to find out when, but he will be in Edmonton. All right. Scheduled we'll to be. definitely be yeah. doing that. Thanks so much, man. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, I, I enjoy our texts back and forth uh, during baseball games. Uh, uh, you've got, obviously, a great passion, a pretty good sense of humor for a Giants fan, and uh, you got a great store. you got a great setup at uh, Pro-Am Sports, and uh, if there's uh, somebody out there looking for some baseball memorabilia, they can uh, definitely come check you out, or any other kind of memorabilia. Do you got anything special going on in the next little while? Well, the new Oilers third jersey is out, uh, and it is hockey season. You know, it, the three of us think that baseball goes 365, right, yeah. uh, but but hockey is pretty popular. We're happy that October October is the best month of the year, and if, it is. And if you yeah. disagree with me, you're wrong. You're right. You're, <laughs> you're you know why? Yeah. Because you got hockey starting. The NFL is in full swing. Baseball playoffs. The NBA starts up. And Halloween. I'm a big Halloween guy. Um, I can't wait to Jordan shows up uh, on near Halloween. I'm going to have a crazy costume on and scare him. October <laughs> is the best month of the year. Put that jersey on, you'll scare everybody. <laughs> I'll let you have the last one. I'll let you have that one for the last one. Jack, thanks very much for stopping by, and uh, I hope we can do this again. I would love to. Thanks very much. Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. Now, that was a fun conversation, even though he's a Giants fan. Yeah. But Jack has a good sense of humor. Uh, him and I text back and forth during baseball games, and uh, he's got a good dry sense of humor. But, uh, you know, what a history. And uh, we'll have to get him back on at some point to tell some Joe Madden stories. Because Mark Spector was telling me on Friday that Joe Madden was a, a roving hitting instructor for the Angels, which makes it a good fit for him to go and work for the Angels uh, when the AAA team was here, and, and Jack on the way out was saying he's got some Joe Madden stories. So, yeah, uh, what a what a cool gig to have as a university student to watch uh, future Major League Baseball players, and uh, you know, even when Fernando Mania was going on, uh, what a cool memory to have. Yeah, just a great great summer job. A lucky guy. Yeah, no doubt. All right, enjoy the rest of baseball. We'll uh, cut you loose so you can go home and uh, check it out. Hopefully go, go next home and week. get some work done here. Yeah. I got a lot of work to do with you, four games here. You, coming you do up. have a lot of work. Yeah. Get to work. Hopefully next week uh, we have some sort of news yeah. on what's going on at uh, Remax Field. And hopefully I won't have this freaking cold <laughs> anymore either. It's been a month. Get out, cold. All right. Enjoy baseball today. Thanks a lot. Uh, it was a good show. Uh, great guest. And uh, I look forward to good news next week. And also uh, I look forward to them banning the shift. It's gone! It's a grand slam! And that's the ball game!